0: Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Well, it is a warm welcome back to Consumer Journalist Wendy Nola. We are going to stay with the topic of secondhand cars today as we contemplate what your rights are if you find you've been sold a lemon. Uh, We're going to hear from two Cape Talkers who's absolutely hideous experiences make you <laughs> they made me want to swear Wendy that I'll take the bus or walk for the rest of my life but really it's a story of great perseverance in demanding justice uh, there are lots of lessons for all of us to learn from their case studies today so please stay with us we might find some time for a couple of other issues and open line calls towards the end of the hour depending on how the conversation goes and remember remember you can join the conversation at any time on 021-446-0567 or with the whatsapp to 07 five six seven one five six seven over to you Wendy.
1: Okay, Pippa, so uh, having legal rights is one thing, claiming them is quite another, and actually that line could underpin just about every case I take up. Yep. Um, so two um lived this out. Um, they both bought cars, second-hand cars, that turned out to be duds within the six-month CPA period, and that's the um, the issue with both of them, because if you, if you buy a car and it goes wrong, you really want it to go wrong in the first six months. But then again, even if it does... The timing works for you. Do you get justice? Mm. Mm. Stay tuned and uh, make <laughs> up your own mind. So both took their cases all the way to the National Consumer Tribunal and won, which it makes it really great for we journalists because the you know the ruling becomes a public document and in it the whole sordid tale is, um, is told and yeah. shared, including the dealership in question's response or in, in one of today's cases lack of, and then what the tribunal, a, a team of of, of um, impartial. Attorneys um, mostly um, have to say and 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 um, and rule, and their ruling has the same weight as a, um, a court. A court ruling. A court ruling. Okay, so so that's, that's, an that's important, important thing to know. Although,
0: yes, it hasn't quite helped in in all cases no. today. No, and, and I've
1: mentioned, uh, there are other cases as well uh, with car dad cars where the you know I've I've talked about on this show where they just absolutely will not pay, and um, they you know the ones closed the dealership and started selling cars on Facebook. Oh, yeah. So the accountability, for, uh, in, the, in the case of those that really just do not consider themselves accountable, just, uh, it, it's, it's impossible to get really. That is horrifying. It should be prosecuted criminally, but I, I don't, don't know of a case where that has happened anyway let's start with case one
0: okay so our, our first case is Arno Zacharias of Somerset West who bought a 2013 Audi A3 from Caledon Toyota back in May 2018 and all was fine at first, but four months after he drove off the lot in that car, the air conditioning stopped working, and that's really where his woes began, Wendy.
1: Yeah, and you could think, well, you know, it's a second-hand car, easy to happen, maybe just regas it. Not He wasn't overly concerned. He did uh, call the dealership because anything that goes wrong in the first six months is the dealership's, any seller, really, their responsibility, uh, they must take responsibility for it, rather. Yes. So he called the dealership, Toyota Calendon. And um, they told him to get it regassed, so he took it off to Dunlop and Bosch. They told him that the entire aircon system was defective um, and could not be fixed. Now, that's pretty serious. Yeah. Uh, Also, they said, it appeared the car had been in a serious accident. So, next he took the car to um, an Audi center. Um, Remember, it was an Audi A3 Sportback in Somerset West for an inspection. That confirmed that the car had indeed been in an accident and had not been repaired to Audi specifications. So, now the red flags are starting to shoot up for him. With that information, he went back to the dealership and asked for a refund of his purchase, knowing... What we've just shared, that the Consumer Protection Act gives consumers the right to return defective goods um, within six months of pur- purchase for their choice of a refund, repair, or replacement. It can be tricky with cars, but in a case like this where it's the car, is he's discovered that um, it has major shortcomings because of an undisclosed, undisclosed accident, accident yeah. then you do have a case to argue for a return.
0: Okay, so he took it back to, to, to Toyota Caledon where he'd bought it. How did they respond, Wendy?
1: So they... Initially said that they this was a, a a key element that the tribunal focused on when it came before them. They initially said they would refund him if he could prove that the vehicle was previously in an accident.
0: If he could prove if it. If he
1: could prove it. <laughs> so he did. Uh, you heard Chiro in the previous hour talking about taking your car for the, the de- decor assessment. assessment yeah. I would always recommend, as he does, that you go for the most expensive one, that really detailed one. They are impartial. They've got no skin in the game. Yeah, uh, Do this before you buy the car, though, and not ideally at this point. But anyway, when you need um, uh, proof, that's uh, one of the places to go. They found more defects. Uh, He went back uh, and they confirmed that that it wasn't an accident. But at that point, the dealership reneged on its offer. Instead, they offered, without admitting liability, I've seen this story play out so many times. They offered to buy back the car at the price that that Honor had paid for it. it. but minus depreciation and wear and tear usage, so no. in other words, as if he just changed his mind, there's nothing actually wrong with the car. But we'll, you know, we'll we'll take it back, but you suffer the loss. And a car that's less, that's four months old—that's outrageous. Well, it's not—it's it's certainly not uncommon. It's Oy. very common. So I also thought that was outrageous, and he said no thanks to that deal. The struggle continued. Um, One thing worth noting is that skeleton Toyota did not provide him with the car's manual and service book when he bought it. And that is always a red flag. I have said repeatedly the last decade or two, no matter how much you love a secondhand car, if they can't provide, um, usually it's the service book, if they can't provide that and they can't provide the spare key, those two things walk away. It is... Almost always, the the <laughs> the precursor of a lot of drama. There's a reason, certainly in the case of the service book, that it isn't there.
0: And here's a hint: it's not that somebody lost it in the no. Moment. There's a very good reason that it's no. because there's been some major something that they want him almost not always. To disclose. I mean, I'm sure some yeah. people do
1: genuinely lose them, but you know what? As a dealership, you can get um, a replacement. You can order a replacement okay. from the, the the manufacturer. They have service details on record. It's all computerized, so okay. Um, anyway Okay, um,
0: so Anu didn't get that initially But then he did go later to Audi, get a which service you can always history. get yes. Go to the, okay. the
1: manufacturer So he was buying an Audi from a Toyota dealership, remember So he goes to Audi and they reveal that the car had been stationary Apart from the rest of its service history For almost two years Another red flag, why? what yeah. was going on in those yeah. two years. So Khaled and Toyota didn't dispute that the car had been in a smash. They just said it didn't happen before they sold the, the car to Arno. In other words, they claimed that the head-on happened after he bought it. Oh, but they on. were not able to supply any proof of that. Because it simply wasn't true. Yeah. Okay. But you can see the level of, of, of engagement going now. on here. Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, Anu then realized he's getting nowhere with the dealership. He, he took his case to the motor industry ombuds, and unfortunately, it stalled there, if you'll pardon I, the pun. I, I don't want to go into the details, uh, yeah. but they didn't rule either way. Okay. So then he turned to the National Consumer Commission where the case was finally heard by the National Consumer Tribunal in February of this year via Zoom. And uh, Anu argued the case himself. Yeah. Caledon, Toyota were there represented by a, an attorney. What happened at that ca- at that uh, hearing, Wendy?
1: Okay, it made for a very fascinating reading, I have to say. It was a long a long ruling. They ruled that the dealership had indeed sold him a vehicle with enough problems to be considered defective in terms of the CPA's definition. Um, and, that, and he was unable to derive to derive full benefit from his purchase. And the dealership was ordered to refund him his money. Um, I've, I haven't got the exact figure in front of me. 200 and something. It's quite a considerable amount. Yeah. Um, within 60 days. But by the time I was writing a column that was published by Times Live last week, it still, still didn't have that refund. Um, so the was,
0: ruling, sorry, was in February, and this is now June so the ruling enfor- with the enforcement of a court's ruling, yes, yes said you days. must refund him, and it yes. still hasn't happened.
1: Well, it hadn't then. Okay. Um, so first, they bought some time by pointing out a typo in the judgment, which overstated the refund amount by four thousand rand. So a variance order had to be issued by the tribunal. Then on the twenty eighth of April, the attorney emailed honour to say that her client intended to appeal because. They had in that month – I think it was handed down on like two weeks earlier um, – there was a high court judgment um, that included the right of a dealership to deduct from such refunds if in the case where cars are taken back an amount accounting for the aggrieved buyer's use of that defective car. And I've always had an issue with this because in a case where you bring it – when you um, complain of a defect within um, months, yes. as in this case, within the CPA period um, – the fact that it drags on is almost always because the dealership refuses to take responsibility. <laughs> it doesn't want to take the car back, and so it drags yeah. on. But now you're using the car because of that, and that's what the um, uh, tribunal, um, they made the point that it, it, they, it, it that such a deduction was not um, uh, appropriate in this case. Um,
0: okay, so the attorney comes and says... We're intending to appeal and says says to Anu, do you want to negotiate a deduction to avoid the whole appeal process and, he, um, and yes. try and make it all go away?
1: And he said, no, the ruling stands. And anyway, so the dealership made much of its automark certified guarantee on the car. As dealerships do, they call it different things, but they hold that up as a sort of, you know, a, a so-called proof that everything is OK. There were no defects. But this is where the ruling became really interesting. The tribunal pointed out that while the dealership had called several witnesses to testify, the technician who did the pre-sale inspection was not among them, nor was the service manager who signed the automark certified guarantee, which was the only evidence that the car had been inspected before it was marketed and sold. And here's the shocking bit. The certificate in question revealed that an Audi A3 2004 model was inspected, not on his 2013 Audi A3 uh, Sportback. So, so their so-called inspection before selling it was of a completely different vehicle. It didn't apply at all. I mean, as the tribunal said, the certificate contains no details that can link the certificate to the vehicle in dispute. It contains no date, no registration number, no odometer reading, and no name of the client. This is quite a, you know, a big dealership. Yeah. Um, so Kaledon Toyota said the service manager who signed the t- certificate had retired. That I'll point. leave yeah. that there. Okay. Unsurprisingly, the tribunal regarded that certificate as not being trustworthy and reliable evidence of a proper inspection and conducted prior to the car being sold to Arno. Um the, the dealership did concede to not marketing the car as having, uh, sorry, to marketing the car as having a full service history when they could not produce the service book but said it had shown on a on a computer screen that all the required services were done the tribunal members were not impressed this practice is not convincingly fair to the consumers so i bear that in mind anyone that ha- that happens to if there isn't a service book and they do this come and look on the computer it's, it's not, not considered enough. okay no
0: okay and the saga doesn't end there, so there's a pretty damning ruling and finding by the tribunal that has a lot to say about what Caledon Toyota did wrong here, and, and it doesn't end with that service book issue either, Wendy.
1: No, they, the dealership also admitted that it had, they had incorrectly said, in huh. inverted that they'd bought the car from the first owner, when in fact the first owner had the car in lockup for two years after selling it to the second owner, who sold it to the dealership a year later. Uh, The the ruling says the tribunal found this failure to advise honor of the number of previous owners to be a serious omission by the dealership and also found that it had misled him with the initial suggestion that it would refund the purchase price if he could prove that the vehicle had been in an accident. All things considered, the, the, the tribunal said, the nature and extent of the damage to the front of the vehicle was intentionally downplayed at the time of the vehicle's purchase to ensure a sale. In the tribunal's view, the vehicle was not suitable for its intended purpose, was not of good quality, in good working order and free of defects, and plainly not usable and durable for a reasonable time. And therefore, they said that the, the, the vehicle should be returned Um Without incurring a penalty, and that would, as I said, not be appropriate to deduct from the purchase price a sum for his usage because he had no choice. This is in the tribunal uh, ruling's words. He had no choice but to use the vehicle while the complaints process continued, and that is… Quite an important ruling to my mind because it's such, a, this is so typical of what happens. Yeah. And then you're penalized because they wouldn't do the right thing early, ena- early, early enough, enough in the process for that deduction to be re- reasonably a small. small. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Now, you would think, Wendy, with a damning ruling like that, which, by the way, also specifically mentioned that they found Anu to be a completely credible witness, yes. you would think that that was enough. That the ruling is there. You need to refund this man for the entire purchase price of that car. It hasn't been enough, though. Wendy, I believe the dealership continued to try and argue around the fact that they were entitled to deduct something for Anu's continued use of the car. Yeah,
1: and they said, as I, I emailed the, the um, attorney as a courtesy because I could quote just from the court paper or the tribunal rulings, uh, ruling itself, but she basically confirmed that um, they wished to uh, launch an appeal that they intended to, but that is, had never That's happened. Not happened. Um, and that brings us to um, some... Uh, events of a couple of weeks ago which uh, really crystallized this this uh matter okay so let's bring anu
0: in here he's been listening to us describe his story but this is the point where i want him to take over in telling us what happened next anu zacharias welcome to Cape talk
2: so how are you guys doing?
0: Well, better than, better than you, Anu. I'm so sorry you've been through this absolute ordeal yeah. over this car. It's, a, it's an absolutely shocking story. I believe you actually, in the end, had to approach the sheriff of the court in Caledon to try and get them to force Caledon Toyota to pay you the money, which the tribunal said was due to you.
2: Well, firstly, I contacted the magistrate's court in Caledon, um, and I then drove through to Caledon a couple of weeks ago, um, to the magistrate's court to to in order to get the sheriff of Caledon to attach um, assets or cars or vehicles or whatever, wow. you know, on the showroom floor of Caledon Toyota. So I, I took off work. Um, I work in a in a sort of a busy coffee shop in, in Stellenbosch, and actually took off a whole day, drove through to Caledon, got there, spoke to the lady that I'd spoken to the day before, the clerk of the court, and. She looked at the paperwork and said, um, it's beyond their, you know, it's beyond her means. Um, And so she sent me then that same day through to the Somerset West Magistrates Court. Um, Long story short, went back the next day to the Somerset Magistrates Court and got the the, um, judgment uh, sort of certified for the sheriff to attach. Then got the documents couriered by PostNet, to uh, Caledon, which actually took longer than I expected. It um, took almost almost five or six working days. Okay. Uh, the sheriff um, in Caledon, uh, Mr. Vitboy, uh, received uh, um, and then went to attach that same Saturday. So it was Saturday, I think now three weeks ago, attached uh, three vehicles, um, including a quad bike, a Toyota Land Cruiser and a Toyota Corolla. But uh, the whole process was also quite sort of stagnated, and and it took days. And I kept contacting the sheriff, just you know. Uh, Anyway, I had to receive um, a a document from the sheriff that's called a a receipt, uh, whereby they specify the assets that were attached. Um, So anyway, long story short, eventually received uh, this letter of receipt specifying the assets, and with with uh, the question, what are my instructions? So I indicated to the sheriff, please remove the assets immediately. Hmm. This was on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, by Thursday afternoon, when I contacted the sheriff, he said uh, he's quite busy. Um, you know, he's got a lot of other, I think he referred to land invasions to deal with and so forth. Um, but uh, I need to pay him up front for the pro rata storage fees for these uh, vehicles before I oh. c- before he can remove uh, the assets. That amounted to just under uh, 7,000 rand. It was 6,000 and something rand that the sheriff wanted me to pay up front pro rata storage fees.
0: Just to recap, everything that we've shared with you so far has been from a ruling of the National Consumer Tribunal, so it is all a matter of public record. Uh, Arnie was telling us before the break how, despite the tribunal ruling that he needed to be refunded, the money he had paid for that car... $235,000. He, he, two, okay. He still couldn't get his money, so he ended up going to the sheriff of the court in Caledon to get some vehicles attached. And, oh, boy, I wish I'd been a fly on the wall the day that the sheriff arrived at the dealership, Wendy. Arnie, um, thanks for holding for us. To cut a long story short, you you had to keep pushing and pushing and pushing to get some action here to try and force uh, this dealership to pay you the money which the tribunal said was due to you. I believe it ended up with them then uh, retaliating with some kind of urgent interdict.
2: Yeah, so the the Friday after the Thursday, um, when the sheriff demanded that money up front, 12 o'clock to be exact, on the Friday uh, afternoon, I got an email from the law, uh, legal team from Caledon Toyota indicating that they've they've applied for a high court interdict, not only against myself but against the sheriff as well. Against the sheriff sure. for apparently attaching uh, vehicles that were uh, already under finance, and 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 apparently the one vehicle was already sold, and that they would have. You know, Anyway, there was a long affidavit um, from the dealer principal himself. And uh, this high court interdict was set down for 2.15 that afternoon. So I had little or no time to respond or to represent myself or sure. to you know, uh, um, appeal or whatever. And it was granted um, that Friday afternoon. Uh, the interdict was granted against myself and the sheriff. And, um, yeah, and, you know, you can just imagine how, how, oh. how I felt. I mean, I thought gee was, well, here we go again. Um, yeah, so okay. uh, but if, you, if you read in the papers, they, they gave themselves until this past Monday to be forthcoming with the appeal papers to prove that they were actually going to appeal. And, uh, yeah, that was never forthcoming.
0: So where does this leave you, Anu? Have you to date okay, so, received any okay, money? So,
2: so, so, uh, no, so here's what happened. Um, uh, um, on Friday uh, last week, they came forward, the dealership came forward, or the attorneys rather, with a settlement offer. They were going to, going to refund me the full amount of 235,000 rand. They would settle my bank directly, my finance bank directly, uh, and they would then refund me the balance directly directly simultaneously, and then I would have to return the vehicle. Anyway, long story short, um, I sent through my proposal, which basically uh, uh, sort of agreed with them, only that they would have to come and fetch the car. Um, And then on Monday, this past Monday, yesterday, they were supposed to send through um, the formal settlement agreement for me to sign but when I woke up on Monday morning, the money was in my account um, oh, wow. and, uh, the, and the car had been settled. Um, but ironically, I'm actually sitting in the car as we speak, <laughs> and conducting this interview because they haven't actually made the effort to come and collect the car yet. I'm still waiting to hear from them.
1: You, you've had it washed uh, especially, which is quite a nice touch after to everything
2: you've been through, I think. Um, uh, yes, I had it washed yesterday in anticipation. The big day has come. <laughs> so you've got the money. Three, three, three years and nine days later, yeah.
0: Wow. Oh. Go. Three years and nine days later, the money is finally in your account, and Anu, what assumes they're going to come and You're fetch it You're sitting in a car that doesn't belong point. to you yes. anymore,
1: Anu. You better get rid
0: of it. No, no you I'm had parked it in very, case they try and
2: very illegal. Yeah, I'm feeling a bit guilty.
0: Oh, I mean, Anu, all yeah. I can say is is well done on your tenacity in refusing not, to accept um, anything less than what you finally got. I mean, three years worth of struggle is, uh, I think, a lot of people would have given up earlier than that. And Wendy. I think
1: I I like to highlight these cases because. It, it, it shows, you know, with all the protection, legal protection that we have as consumers on paper, um, you, you still get many cases like this where the supplier, and it's not always a, a motor dealership, just digs Dicks their in heels the in and is like, absolutely not paying this money back. I'm not.
0: Yeah. Anu, I mean, final question to you is, is sort of how yeah. you feel in reflection. What, what, what have you learned from this whole experience?
2: Well, you know, I mean, I'd like to sort of see it as a sort of like what advice I can give to, you know, other consumers who are out there, you know, in the process of buying a car. Um, so I would I would say the first thing to do is uh, instead of looking at the car you want to buy, look at the dealership that you're <laughs> buying from. Good yeah. um, so go onto Google, have a look at the reviews, um, go onto Hello Peter, even have a look there, see what, you know, the reviews are, the feedback. Um so that's the first thing, although I must admit that wouldn't have helped me in this case. I mean, the reason why I chose this dealership in particular was because it was an accredited, uh, you know, it's to, a Toyota to, know, to dealership. So, I, hmm. you know, but um, and the other thing is, if you do get into trouble, you know, the f- people were saying to me, oh, just sue them, sue them, sue them, it's take like them mean. to court. You know, don't, don't, go, don't go running to your lawyer first off. Try and resolve it yourself. I think the motor industry ombudsman. That's why I came short with the industry ombudsman was because I got involved with my lawyer first off, and the motor is, industry ombudsman doesn't want um, uh, there to be a legal riffraff, mm-hmm. um, you know, involved. So my my advice to somebody that's in trouble at the moment, that that's, that's having similar problems, try and resolve it without a lawyer first, because these these bodies listen to people you know, in the the in their, in their sort of normal capacity rather than having lawyers in the background and so
0: forth. Okay. Ani, that's great advice. Thank you very much for sharing it and thanks for joining us on the show today to, to, to share the story firsthand. I'm so relieved his money is finally in yeah. the account. Um, I just hope they come and fetch that car, Wendy. There's a little niggling voice in the back of my head going, I hope this isn't a trick... To turn around and say, "Well, you never returned the car." I don't think so. Look, I hope I, not. Uh,
1: no, but I would also be very, very anxious to get to get get it off
0: my hands. That yeah, car gone yeah. exactly. Okay, sadly, honest um, is not the only such story to no. share with you today. And we're going to come back after the short break to a second one. Just before we go to the break. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure if there's any point in in, in saying the following statement because the people that affects are not able to hear it. Cape Talk is currently (laughs) off air on its terrestrial signal. We are aware of this fact. There is a technician en route to our transmitter site. Uh, uh, Centec are dealing with the fault and it means that the listeners who are usually listening to us on their AM radio aren't picking us up. On the off chance that somebody switched on their radio and couldn't find us and did the sensible thing and moved over to the online streaming or the app or the DSTV and are wondering. Uh, Is wondering what's going on, that is the explanation so I know most people who need to hear that message won't be able to do so but for what it's worth uh, if you are one of those who's come looking for an alternative stream, uh, thank you for making the effort and uh, we hope that we will be back on the AM signal very very soon indeed. For now uh, please just spread the word uh, to to fellow listeners in the house, you can listen to us on the website, on DSTV channel 885 and via the Cape Talk app. We're back after this short case with uh, the case of Alroy Um, Mohosen, another dad car purchase, this one uh, from a dealership in uh, Paro well, used to be in Paro, more on that in a moment
2: Cape Talk Consumer Talk Email Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za
0: Right, we are back with Wendy Nola, continuing the saga of uh, the car deals that went horribly wrong and the long fight for justice uh, on behalf uh, of those who were the victims. The second case Wendy wants to share to us today, uh, with us today, was brought to us by Alroy Mohesen of Strandfontein, Mitchell's Plain, who bought his vehicle back in February 2019. It was a 2009 Ford Territory, which he purchased from Bessie Bester Motors in Paro. They were in Paro at the time; they've since moved to Klöf for 120. 120- And Wendy, before we say hello to Alroy, he's standing by to talk to us, there were a couple of red flags right away in this story that you want to point
1: to. Sure. So he bought the car, paid for it in February, um, didn't take delivery because they were repairing the gearbox. And, uh, you you know, that for me and for everyone else should be a a big red flag, uh, no matter what the price is. At the time, even, the the vehicle was not starting properly. Um, That was sort, sort of fixed, obviously. He took delivery of the car, um, in April, and um, four months later, it wouldn't start at all. The important timing here. Of course, it's still within the the, the CPA um, warranty clock starts from the time of delivery. So he was well, he was also just like on a four months down the line. The dealership told him to approach the company from which he'd bought a warranty. This despite it still being under the inherent – the Act actually uses the word inherent 6 months warranty of the Consumer Protection Act, um, meaning the seller is legally obliged to pay for any repairs. A lot of dealerships do that. They say claim on your warranty that they kind of force you to buy. It's an aftermarket warranty at great extra cost. And then if if something goes wrong in the first six months, they say, well, you've got a warranty. No, no, no. The first six months – It's their responsibility. And that warranty is very limited. So they are responsible for any repairs during the first six months. They just exploit consumers' ignorance of the house of that inherent, that automatic CPA warranty. Anyway, he had the car towed to, towed to Adrenaline Auto as directed by Bessie Bester Motors uh, for assessment. They found it had a faulty cram shaft, the turbo needed overhauling, there were water leaks. It's quite a long list that appears in the tribunal ruling. Mm-hmm. Um, the warranty payment left him with a big shortfall to pay, um, and the dealership was unwilling to cover it. Oh, No. Oh, yes. He took his case eventually to the tribunal, which ruled in his favour on the 23rd of April and ordered the dealership to pay him 120,000 Rand, that's to refund him, by the 17th of May. I think it was 15 working days.
0: Okay, and uh, that unfortunately did not happen. Now we have Alroy Mohosen on the line to us to chat to us about uh, what happened at that uh, tribunal hearing and beyond. Alroy, I'm so sorry that this happened to you, but thank you very much for being willing to join us on air and uh, share the experience so that others can learn lessons from it. Uh, Firstly, good afternoon and welcome to the show.
3: Uh, good day, yes. Thank you for, uh, for having me.
0: It's our pleasure. Alroy. okay, so you, you took the complaint to the tribunal. The tribunal rules in your favor and says they must refund you the full purchase price. Um, was uh, uh, What was the name? Bessie Besta Motors. Were they even part of that tribunal process? Did they even bother sending a represent- representative?
3: Um, no, all they did was just send in the um, information that they had from the first complaint that I logged with IDM and with um, the road motor industry as well.
0: Okay, so that's that, all they, did, yes. they submitted that and obviously the tribunal didn't find that compelling enough because they ruled in your favour.
3: But that's what exactly. has
0: happened since then? Alroy? have you seen a cent of the money which the tribunal says is, is due to you?
3: No, nothing yet. Um, he's been avoiding um, all calls. Um, I'm uncontactable with the gentleman now as well. So My that's the situation well. that I'm currently in.
0: And the situation then is you are sitting with a car that you cannot drive, and Alroy cars don't just sit anywhere unless it's on bricks in your garage without somebody paying for them. I believe you are having to pay storage fees on that car.
3: That's, yes, I'm actually not I'm in, I'm in possession even of the vehicle. Because of me still owing um, the repair company, um, they still have position of it. I'm sitting with currently nothing at the end of the day.
0: And am I right in understanding that you were having to pay that repair company a, a, a daily fee for keeping your car there? And that's been that's that case for, for more than two years
3: now? Yes, that's right. Yes, And the toll is just adding up every time. Yes. 350
1: rand a day. For Plus you're years. paying your bank because it was a finance vehicle. Am I right?
3: That's correct, yes.
1: So, I mean, it's just a, a, a really terrible, it's terrible appalling. case. I, I tried yes, to call it's, it's the situation. dealership on the number it uses in its Facebook ads, um, the one that Elroy had supplied to me as well. I just get this, this subscriber is not available at present. You know that one. Yeah. I emailed the dealership to ask if it had any intention of paying Elroy that 120,000 rand as ordered by the tribunal. Whose rulings, let's not forget, carry the same weight as that of a court of law. Um, I have not been holding my breath for a response given that they would not, you know, the dealership chose not to engage with the tribunal very much um and i've checked my emails nothing nothing as yet
0: no. yeah so elroy i mean this has left you in a terrible position that, that that bill is accumulating every single day that the car stands at the repair service you're not in a position to pay the balance yourself to get it back and stop that money piling up has anybody at bessie Bester motors given you any kind of indication even if it's to say we intend not to pay this money have they communicated with you at
3: all no, not at all. Um, I even contacted the salesman that's actually not working with that um, company anymore. And he said it even is not in part of the relationship.
0: Okay, so, just say that again. What did he tell you, Alroy?
3: Um, you no, know, he you even said there's not part of his arrangements now because of the, um, he's not with the company. Oh, because he lives. Not um, with that so, company
0: yeah. anymore. So you're now forced to deal with a company that won't answer your calls and emails that you have no personal connection with any longer because the person you bought from isn't even working there. Okay. And in the meantime, the money bounds, uh, bounds That's up. That's 300. I would like yeah. to... Um, yep.
1: Speak to that de- that dealership about 350 rand a day, given the circumstances. Okay. I mean, because that's going to mean, uh, as Thousands what happens, t- towing companies do this. Yeah. They, they hit you with a 7,000 rand towing bill and then you can't afford it. And every day you can't afford it e- even more. Yeah. Anyway, I did look on Hello Peter. There were a few um, complaints about this dealership. In one exchange, admittedly three years ago, in response to someone saying he doesn't that, that the dealership doesn't want to take responsibility for the, quote, crappy vehicles they sell, Um, Bessie Bester came on and said maybe crappy is all you can afford you inspected and chose to buy it so your judgment is the crappy part (sighs) wow winning at
0: customer communications as well as sales uh, so but I'm not
1: shocked by that at all because I've I've run into that many times. Sadly quite a few smaller independent dealerships believe that the CPA does not apply to them and they believe firmly that by inserting a clause in the sale agreement saying essentially that the sale is foots toots, that you agree that you've inspected the car and everything is fine, that there's no there are no comebacks um, they, they, they think that, you know, it can be a footstool steal. The only time you can buy a footstool car is if it's a, a private sale, there's no comeback, and if, or if it's an auction, as we've said many times on this show. The thing is, the CPA six month warranty applies to a car dealership whether they want to acknowledge it or not. Okay. Um, saying, well, you looked at it and you were happy is beyond ridiculous, especially when used in respect of a car, because even a qualified mechanic would have to actually jack up the car and have a, look, a proper look to assess. You know the quality of the yeah. of, of the of its mechanics, so um to repeat what Shira said it brings it full circle, yeah. always get a car. Um, a second-hand car independently assessed by the likes of Decra before buying. If they at that, then you've got the answer you need. If they haven't got a service book, if they're still repairing the car that they now want you to pay for, so many red flags. Please, please, no matter how appealing you think the car is, walk Don't away. go
0: there. Alroy,
1: I mean, before we say goodbye, I'm really sorry you're in this terrible
0: position. Um, have you thought about a way forward? Have you considered um, seeking legal advice to take them on and demand a payment? I mean, I don't know if you're in a position to do that. Have you thought about asking someone like the legal counsel for assistance to do that?
3: Yes, sir, I'm actually process, um, processing it. Um, as you I, I speak, yes. Sir, I'm just waiting. I haven't gotten um, any answers back, so I'm looking for guidance on that from some legal aid.
0: Okay, Alroy, please keep we, in touch with us and with Wendy I as to keep the in way touch forward. And obviously, Wendy will keep trying to get a response out of Bessie Bester Motors to to, to make good on what the tribunal has said they must pay. And, and
1: yeah, yeah and, and to, I'll liaise uh, with the um, the dealership that did the repairs around the storage fees. I mean, they don't want to keep a car for that long, but, it, you know, it makes no sense yeah. in this case, um, it's unavoidable. Alroy
0: Mahesen, thank you so much. I'm really, really sorry in both cases today that we were speaking to people that are such terrible, terrible circumstances. And, yeah, Lindsay's saying on the WhatsApp line, thank you wendy for highlighting this cautionary tale around the purchase of a second hand vehicle she's referring to the first story saying shame on Caledon toyota what a tale of absolute skullduggery. <laughs> uh, it is and uh, as wendy's just said unfortunately it is not an isolated incident by any means it is not restricted to that one dealership
1: it can just, be a yeah, big de- it um, can be a big um a franchise dealership it can be a small independent that There's good good, uh, um, deals and wonderful customer service that happens across the board, but in many cases, um, this is the kind of thing you're up against if something goes wrong with a car and they don't want to take responsibility. Okay, but
0: the takeaway, please remember that first six months of Consumer Protection Act does apply to a vehicle that you've bought secondhand from a dealership, so do keep that in mind. Okay, um, we've got just a few minutes in hand, Wendy, but I know you wanted to flag something particular about labels on bottles before we say goodbye.
1: Yes, and I had an interview lined up that we now are not going to have time for. Um, but I just think a lot of people um, think PET is recyclable, and it is. It's very much as the gold. It's the, it's, the, it's the number one um, recyclable um, uh, material, and we have a wonderful PET recycling story in this country. But if you're putting, throwing away, um, it's not just the bottle, it's the label on the bottle. And mm-hmm. if the label is um, stuck on with um, glue, sort of pretty much all the way around, yep. and that glue is not soluble, It it there's a chance that the reclaimers, the the waste pickers, but the the preferred word is reclaimers, won't pick it up because it fetches a much lower price because of the fact that um, that glue messes with the recycling product Uh uh, process and it means that bottle cannot is not the top grade PET it can't be made into another bottle which is essentially what we want to do with plastic Plastic plastics only a scourge if we don't um, have let it have a long life yeah right Um, so. There's been a development in that um, uh, Woolworths has become South Africa's first retailer to use Avery Dennison's innovative clean frack, that's the trademark, PET wash-off adhesive on their fresh fresh juice bottles, and they plan to roll it out to um, all so-called pressure-sensitive labels that are applied to their food packaging. It will increase packaging recycling, hugely so the good news is the bad news is if you were putting those bottles um into the recycling stream there's a very good chance that they either weren't being picked up to be recycled at all and they were landing up in landfill or they um didn't you know they ended up being a lower grade of a flake that could then only go into um sort of duvets cushions and not become another bottle which is what we really should be aiming for um So, yeah, it means there's no limit to the number of times that that clear, clean PET material can be reused in packaging applications. And, yeah, almost 1,900 products in Woolies will be impacted with this latest packaging shift. Um, So that's sort of 17 million fresh fruit bottles a year. Various sizes, 57 other food packaging formats like the hummus tubs, the dips, the prepared salads. Um, so some are in Cape stores already. Um, you have to have an eagle eye to spot them because it's an in-house little symbol they're putting on it—a tiny little CF at the bottom left of the label for clean flag. Okay. The good news is they're not the company, the retailer's not keeping this technology for themselves. Uh, many other um, retailers and and producers are going to be using it as well, um, and I'm hoping they find a way to tell you about it on their label. Absolutely. Because it does have such a major impact. Um, on on the recyclability of the product, uh-huh. and it has been a shame all this for all this time that so much PET hasn't been going on to live its best life yeah. because of that glue. <laughs> I love it. That <laughs> I just thought of that on the spot um, because of the glue, the wrong glue. So okay. the Volprays and the you know all the Coca Cola products they have been getting it right for ages because the, the labels are all water solu- soluble. But many of the other products that we've been that we've been buying in PET regularly have had the wrong glue on it because of various technical uh complications. But now this workaround has been found. Um it sounds not that big a deal, but you know, I love recycling issues, yeah. so do you. Um but the impact is actually very, very significant. significant. And our recycling um, story of PET in this country in particular is, is just taken a turn for the positive. I was hoping to have someone from Petco um, put that into their words much better than, than than I've been able to do. And I'm sorry she's been standing by and now we've run out of time no, because of the cars, you, but, but there we, but we go. Thanks for letting me squeeze that in. No,
0: sure, and thanks for alerting us. So you're looking for CF for Clean Flake if you want to be checking your bottles. As I know many of our, our consumers are really savvy in time, about doing.
1: There'll be more explicit information on the label. Okay, great to know.
0: Thank you very much, Wendy. Always great to have you on the show. Thank you uh, you so much uh, for for being with us. And just a reminder that if you want to raise a case with Wendy, her email address is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. You can also contact her via her Facebook page, Wendy Nola Consumer.